13-year-old Adam has made a lot of mistakes in his life, but this has to be the biggest. Thanks to a massive fight with his little brother Callum, the mysterious and magical computer algorithm Popularis Incrementum has exploded and accidentally transported them to a completely different dimension. One where they were never born and the internet doesn't exist and neither does any of the technology they know and love. Will the brothers survive in this strange altiverse where everything is the same but different? Can they stop an evil villain from sabotaging their dad's world-changing technology when in this universe their dad doesn't even know who they are? And most importantly of all, will they ever find a way back home? Adam Destroys the Internet is out now in paperback. Available from your local Waterstones or online at Waterstones. Hello, it's Sean, and we're here with another episode of Fun Kids Meets. This is where we bring the most interesting people to you every week. From celebrities to people who do cool things in space, in science, authors, we've got the best people for you right on this podcast. And one of the best people is on this podcast right now, and it's Dan from Fun Kids. Hey, Dan. Hello, Sean. Thanks for having me back on Fun Kids Meets. This week, today, I've bought for you my, uh, I bought a contact from my, my science world for you today. Dan is the king of science. If you heard last week, we, would, we, we established him as uh, scientific royalty. We did indeed. Last week, we spoke about uh, robots who were, who were drawing from uh, your ideas. Now, this week, uh, I spoke to a, a dude all the way over in Hawaii, all about why fish glow in the dark. Oh, nice. Uh, which is the technical term is bioluminescence, I believe. Bioluminescence in fish. Yeah, I spoke to a, a lovely chipper chap called Tom Iwaniki, as I say, from Uni of Hawaii. So we know that fish down deep and deep and deep in the sea, uh, where it's pitch black, uh, they have evolved to be bioluminescent, to glow in the dark, simply pretty much so they can, they can see what's going on. Uh, that's how you know, evolution works, and it's for different reasons why they're doing this. But they've also discovered in new studies maybe different reasons why fish glow in the dark, and, and maybe it's to do with when the oceans get warmer. Interesting. So a thing that we always do on Fun Kids Meets is get out the Fun Kids Meets bingo card. So this is where I try and foresee what Dan is going to be chatting uh, to Tom about. Bioluminescence. I'm just trying to think what kind of things that you guys would cover. Now, I reckon, actually, I want I want the chemistry behind this because I feel like this is going to be scientific. I want, like, the ingredients. What causes bioluminescence? I want to mm. bake my own glowing fish by the end okay. of this podcast. I also want to hear specific types of fish. And actually, this is going to be one in particular that I want to hear about in this podcast. And it's the one in Finding Nemo with the big teeth and the kind of the little lamp hanging ah. on his head. Do, do, do we all know which fish I'm on about? Big eyes, big teeth, and it's got like its own little light attached to his head. That's bioluminescence, isn't it? <laughs> on the telly it is, yeah. Like, <laughs> like I, I know the fish that you're talking about. Does he not exist? Is he on a finding? Is he, I'm sure he exists. Uh, uh, I mean, movie companies, especially uh, Pixar, do immense research to get all these details yeah. right. So, that fish so, exists, and I want to hear about it. What so. would you call that fish if, if you could name a fish with a light bulb on its head? Big snappy lamp fish. Well, I tell you what, you might not be too far from the truth there, Sean. Is, well, it, is, is it the Latin term? I, I hope I hear about it. I actually got a Lego model of that fish for Christmas. True story. Um, and I think, and also the magic word, the magic word for this podcast. 
I, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna stick. I'm gonna stick with the Finding Nemo theme. I want to hear about Nemo. I'm thinking if you're gonna be chatting about fish, there's gonna be a Nemo reference in there somewhere. So, the magic word is gonna be Nemo. So make sure you listen out for those things. The, the chemistry behind bioluminescence, the big snappy lamp fish from Finding Nemo, and the word Nemo. Right then, Dan, let's have a chat with Tom. We've got Tom Iwaniki. He's a PhD candidate in zoology from the University of Hawaii, and he joins us now. Hello, Tom. Hello. Thank you for having me on. I'm very excited. I've made a fool of myself. I, I should have said the classic aloha. Yes, aloha. So sorry. And I know, I know you probably get that all the time, but it's just a thing that we have to do. Listen, um, bioluminescence, glow-in-the-dark animals. It's amazing that wildlife gives us such a wide range, isn't it? Just tell us, Tom, what makes a fish bioluminescent? Yeah, so bioluminescence is a chemical reaction that produces light. It happens in not only fish, it happens in bacteria, uh, algae, and many different animals. And so the basic machinery involved in bioluminescence is a protein that we call luciferase, it mixes with a little molecule called luciferin and a tiny bit of oxygen and it binds up that luciferase binds up the luciferin gets it really wound up and excited and when that luciferin returns to its sort of normal state sort of slunks down and relaxes it releases the puff of light from that energy that's being built up and done in aggregate millions of times in a cell that's what uh, produces the light that we're able to see so that's what it is, but why is it there? Why do fish, mostly deep down in the ocean, I think, why do they need to glow in the dark? Why do they need to give themselves away? Yeah, so that's actually the question that really keeps me busy and keeps me excited, actually. I love this question. There are almost as many forms as there are functions of bioluminescence. Some animals bioluminesce to communicate with each other in the deep dark ocean in particular. They can use light to attract mates. Many animals use it for defense also. An example is seen in shrimp. When they're swimming around and a really big fish comes a little too close for comfort, that shrimp actually releases a bright mucousy cloud of light that blinds the fish and startles it, allowing for the shrimp to escape to safety. Other forms of defense for bioluminescence include camouflage, or even bioluminescence can be used as a burglar alarm. So if you're being sort of munched on and disturbed by a predator, what you could do is draw the attention of larger predators that come, come to your rescue. Also, bioluminescence is used on the offense as well. A classic example is the anglerfish that dangles a tiny little barbel of light right near its mouth that draws in unsuspecting prey to within reach. Are you able, Tom, to, this might be a little bit before your expertise, but are you able to try and talk us through why we think they originally evolved this skill? Yeah, so that's a really exciting question because what scientists have found is that bioluminescence has evolved, now the recent estimate is more than 90 times independently across life. And so there are so many different luciferases that have been involved to use different luciferins. And so that's actually a really, really tough and interesting question is finding out what 
type of molecules or what type of proteins were adapted early on to start producing light. So is that what we uh, think, Tom? So way back when, perhaps one fish down there would perhaps have been a mutant at the time became bioluminescent had this protein had this chemical reaction happening and then it's children i guess then had that as well is, is that what you're thinking yeah so i guess what the idea is is that early on there was a protein that was used for something else like metabolism or something and after it had a, that protein acquired a little mutation all of a sudden it was producing light when it interacted with a molecule and so once that little puff of light sort of started then evolution sort of took its course and was able to run away with all the other different forms and functions that we see today and that ha has happened like i said more than 90 times across across animal life it's uh, 90 times across animal life is it mainly seen in animals that live in pretty dark parts of the world at the bottom of the ocean yeah so i guess that question gets at where we're finding it, and that is actually really common misconception I find about bioluminescence, and it's one that I shared as a kid growing up in a city near the base of the Rocky Mountains in Canada. I didn't really know much about the ocean and bioluminescence, and I thought that bioluminescence was this cool but rare occurrence. You might see fireflies at night in some parts of North America, or in the ocean you'd have to go to like special bays, the bioluminescent bays and areas of the planet to see the dazzling light displays. But actually, if you were to be in the ocean where you can't see any land at all, and let's say you had goggles on and you were able to swim about, even near the surface where there's still a bit of twinkling starlight above you, let's say, if you were to look down, there would be similarly bright twinkling light displays at the surface and then diving deep down 10 meters or even kilometers and scientists have actually estimated that about three out of every four little critters you would find or see on this little adventure you've gone on are actually capable of bioluminescence and so bioluminescence really is this really prevalent phenomenon in the open ocean and the oceans are literally glowing with light how far down would we have to travel to, 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 to meet these? In the open ocean, it's right there at the surface, um, all the way down to kilometers deep. It's, it's all over the place, really. Incredible. Um, and they, are they getting brighter in warmer waters? Is that, is that something that you've spotted? Yeah, so that's a little project that we've been doing, uh, looking at sort of milling through old papers and reading about uh, what's understood about these systems, these bioluminescent animals. And... What we're finding is that with climate change, the humans are putting out increasingly more and more carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. And the ocean absorbs about a third of all of that carbon dioxide. And as, that, as the ocean absorbs more carbon dioxide, it gets slightly more acidic. And what we're finding is that under those slightly more acidic conditions, the bioluminescent light that's produced by various animals either goes up and gets really bright in some, some animals, and in other animals it actually decreases the light they're able to produce by, by a lot as well. What's a lot there, Tom? How, how much brighter are they getting now? There are, for example, some jellyfish or bacteria that we're seeing the 
light produced actually doubling, so twice as bright. And on the sort of other extreme, there are some squid that actually reduce the amount of light they're able to produce by about half. It's just amazing, isn't it, that this exists all around us and how wildly different forms of life can be. Uh, Tom Iwaniki, thank you so much for joining us and telling us all about it. Thank you for having me. What excellent guy. Old Tom, loving life in Hawaii. Sometimes uh, I interview science people all around the world and I have to really, really focus on the topic that they're here to talk about. Otherwise, I'll just end up chatting to them about what the weather's like on Hawaii, what the surf's like on the on California. <laughs> like I have to, I have to like really, really focus. Otherwise, I will go on tangents about the amazingness of different parts of the world. Well, you definitely did focus this time because we learned loads about bioluminescence. I'm just looking at my bingo card right here, and I'll tell you what. If I wanted the chemistry behind bioluminescence, I got it in spades. He was breaking down the particular proteins and all that good stuff. So I think that's a big tick for that one. Yeah. Um, no mention of the big toothy snapping fish, though. So when you were mentioning this before the chat, I like I have spoken to many, many, many science people. And I love the fact that if I'm chatting to like this really genius expert, you think the first thing my brain goes to is, oh, Finding Nemo. I love that film. <laughs> People want, Dan. It's what I want. Uh, yeah, sorry, not not as much uh, big snappy light bulb fish chat as I think you hoped. No, that is a shame. And in fact, no Nemo chat whatsoever because there was no magic word. Wasn't even close this week. Came so close last week, um, but this time n- nowhere near. Nowhere no. near. I, I'm sorry about that. Uh, I do love the film Finding Nemo. I probably think Finding Dory's better. You know, got opinions oh, wow. like Controversial. that. Controversial. Um, That's for uh, another podcast, and, uh, I believe. <laughs> but um, uh, we weren't as successful with the bingo. I am filled with knowledge of bioluminescence. So I'm going to take that as a win. Um, make sure you join us next week on Fun Kids Meet, where we will be meeting more excellent, interesting people. Thanks to Dan for dropping by. Thank you, Sean, for, for having me get another guest for Fun Kids Meet. That is no problem. Uh, Make sure you subscribe and we will see you next week. Bye. 13-year-old Adam has made a lot of mistakes in his life, but this has to be the biggest. Thanks to a massive fight with his little brother Callum, the mysterious and magical computer algorithm Popularis Incrementum has exploded and accidentally transported them to a completely different dimension. One where they were never born and the internet doesn't exist and neither does any of the technology they know and love. Will the brothers survive in this strange altiverse where everything is the same but different? Can they stop an evil villain from sabotaging their dad's world-changing technology when in this universe their dad doesn't even know who they are? And most importantly of all, will they ever find a way back home? Adam Destroys the Internet is out now in paperback. Available from your local Waterstones or online at Waterstones.